Welcome to the Week of the Woodcast with Dennis and Michael Woodworth, and we have a special guest in the studio today that um, has been a mentor of mine for a long time. I've watched his career, well, from midstream to pretty much the end of the, uh, the, the his career in basketball, and has been a, a mentor to many. Uh, Jack Murphy, welcome to the studio today, Jack. Thanks, Dennis, very, very much, and whatever you, uh, you got to get out more if I, I'm your mentor. <laughs> no, not at all. Like, listen, it's... Uh, you made an indelible mark on so many people when you were an educator. You, you treated kids with respect, and they recognized it right away. Whether I was walking this, the, the hallways of Parkview um, or whether I was walking the hallways of Bridgewater High School, it made no difference. You had, you, people respected you because you respected them. Well, I think I, I grew up, uh, and, I, and I say I grew up, in a lucky time, when I started teaching, I was only twenty years old, so I was just a pop. Yeah. Uh, but it was in it was in the uh, it was in the mid seventies, and I think that uh, not only the not only the, the the kids in school, but the parents were were looking for uh, something positive that they could cling to and whatever. And you know, and I've always been involved in sports in school and in college and whatever. And I thought, well, you know, I mean. If, you know, and I was my background was physical education, yeah. and I when I first started teaching, you did the phys ed teachers did everything. Uh, you know, you, you coached all the sports. You, 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 you know, when I first started out, my my job was to coach uh, uh, girls. Uh, there was two, it was two of us uh, at Mahone Bay at the time, a junior senior high, small junior senior high school. And uh, when I started out, I, I coached uh, junior and senior girls soccer, junior and senior girls volleyball, junior and senior girls basketball. I had a badminton team, a gymnastics club, and and ran the track and field. It's it's well, changed a lot. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it's now, changed a lot. To even get a teacher, a young teacher involved in coaching anything, period, you know. <laughs> But I know that as we moved on in our career. We began to one of the things you know we we realized is we have to say we're going to burn out, and we started to get other people involved in the coaching so we could sort of like pick something that we really like to do. I was a basketball junkie from the time I was I was a kid, and uh, you know I mean I, I, I mean I was a great player in junior high school. That's how I got my teeth knocked out. I couldn't even catch the. Uh, basketball off the backboard and hit me in the mouth and whatever you and and i've been in dentures ever since so you know what i mean that's the <laughs> kind of stardom that i had in that sport but but i always loved it and uh, i was able to play a little high school and we've been into provincials that uh, we never won but whatever so i had a goal that i wanted to coach uh, at you know certainly the high school level and at the senior level and and i got caught up in the Hoosierville concept and what have you. The Bobby American, the yeah. American uh, uh, charisma of basketball was just coming in. We, we didn't get, have NBA. We, we didn't, you know, on TV or, or, uh, or the, uh, the NCAA, which is really my favorite. Um, but I began to go to coaches' clinics, uh, uh, and I was lucky to go to, like, a couple in uh, Toronto and, and in New York and Boston or whatever you learning from others learning from mm. the American coach and, what I, and I fell in love with that that whole yeah. concept and uh, tried to emulate some of the stuff back home here and realized that 
If you want to get kids serious about something, you've got to make them feel like it's important and, and the parents feel important. And so, you know, I think it starts with just, uh, you know, like, and of course, everybody likes a winner. So if you can get some success going and you can get the bodies involved and you got to make the kids look good. And then we got into the whole, like, uh, the music theme and warming up. and all I, that I was stuff there, and Jack. All I was kind, there. All that little, uh, little showbiz kind of stuff mm, and whatever you. Yeah. Uh, it just grew from there. 19, so, 1984, a little story. Um, Leonard Haley was the janitor at Parkview Education Center. Darren played for you, my cousin. One night I went up in the uh, one of the classrooms and overlooked the basketball court in one of the portholes, kind of like we had in the old annex back at the high school um, when I used to watch the New Year's Classics. I used to do the, the, um, the lights for you guys as a young kid. And that night, you know, it's a show. When you, when you have a warm-up and you have the guys in the dressing room and you've practiced all those weeks and all of a sudden you have a game, it is a show. And uh, I always joke about that. I, I still remember the songs the guys went out to, like The Warrior from Patti Smythe was one of your warm-up songs. And, and talk about some of your players that you, because you, you started out at Bridgewater High School as an, educa- you know, as an educator, physical education teacher, and you really had success with that group of guys coming through for about three or four years that did very well from with a school that only had a couple hundred kids in high school. It did really well. Well, I, there, but there were some people that sort of uh, like uh, uh, guys like Milton Benedict. Yeah, of time, course, yeah. That, that uh, did a lot of groundwork. But uh, a little story with this, and what it was, it was in the uh, uh, winter of uh, of nineteen eighty, and uh, I'm I'm at a dance, and I go into the washroom. I'm at the urinal. And I look on both sides of me. I get uh, Jimmy Wine, a phys ed teacher from Bridgewater, <laughs> on one side, and Lowell DeMont, the principal, uh, vice principal, on the other side. And uh, yeah, that night they talked me into coming to Bridgewater the following year because they said, well, I think we got a pretty good boys team. Could you coach them? Yeah. And, uh, and actually, to be very truthful, the very first year, and uh, you know, the, the kids caught right on to my the kind of little rah-rah that I, I wanted to present and whatever you, and... And that year, we won the school's first provincial championship at home at Bridgewater. I remember. I mean, it. the gym would only hold <laughs> about a hundred people, but we put about five hundred. What in. a band box! And uh, and uh, it, it went crazy. You know, I mean, uh, at, when the game was over, they had a fire truck outside and whatever, and I prayed the the kids through town and whatever. And you know, yet. That started it, and and uh, well, a just, lot of uh, a lot of school pride and a lot of community pride when you have accomplishments like that. I mean, I'm wearing a hoodie that you know I'm a baseball guy. You know that, and for ten years in a row we had success. It it transcends into the rest of their lives. If you if you look at guys like Lindsey Herndon, who just I think he just retired from the RCMP. Sean Mason just retired from the RCMP, and Brian Oichel and Ken Anthony and. And all those guys that came through the system. And there's, I mean, the Ells brothers, the twins. And and uh, it's just an amazing group of young men that I remember uh, so well. Mike Conrad's another one I remember. I mean, well, so we, many. We, we actually, uh, you, you mentioned, uh, well, you, you mentioned uh, Lindsey Herndon. He, he was my first uh, point guard. He was the captain. Uh, and uh, the captain of the team. He was a senior. He's the only guy on the team that graduated that year. 
And and uh, the Nova Scotia School Athletic Federation has never forgiven me for this, that in the semifinals of that particular weekend of that provincial championship, whatever you, we had a Lindsay Herndon night. Now, that was an idea that I got from the McCady University. Yeah, good idea. But I it, love was it. A, it was a common thing done in the States and, you know, that type of thing. And so we had, you know, we brought us, you know, he, was from a, he had a single ma, you know, come up from a single family, mom family. Right. And, uh, and, uh, we brought her out and presented her with roses and this type of thing, and the place went nuts. So, uh, yeah, it's great because uh, uh, because I actually uh, golf with Lindsay here this summer. I remember uh, I uh, saw uh, it. Lindsay and 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 uh, and uh, Ken, Kenny Anthony, whatever. Kenny was the uh, Kenny Ra- was Brian the, Evans was, was there too, wasn't it? Was Brian the, Evans was the uh, he, he he was a shooting guard and whatever. And any, anyway, so uh, you know. We had it. We had uh, to to uh, Kenny Anthony. We had a an alumni thing of oh geez, a dozen years or so that Bridgewater because that was easy to start because we actually end up winning. Uh, well, I won two provincial championships with the, with that group, and whatever, and then I left and went to Parkview, which was just down the road, which was really a rival, and that I had a lot of fun with it, but. Uh, the Bridgewater School is that was a small American town concept and whatever, like Indiana, like Indiana, like Indiana, like the absolutely, you know, kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was fantastic. In fact, I can remember when we won the second provincial championship. You know, if you ever seen the Hoosier movie, uh, you know they're going to like the state final, and the bus is going, and you got a uh, hundred cars behind. Them, yeah, absolutely. You, well. When we came off the 103 highway, the interchange out out here, exit uh, 12 and whatever, you you know, there was about a hundred cars waiting yeah, for us. I remember it. You know, that 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 you don't maybe get in 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 the high schools in Toronto or even you know in Halifax and whatever, you, but in a small community like Bridgewater, I mean. They loved us. Well, we need to do more of that because oh, I think well, I think I think we're losing some. Well, of we talked about stuff. this on some of our podcasts about. Like the Bridgewater Barracudas have been a huge success in our area for decades. Um, guys like you know uh, Kenny Lord and and you know Todd Langell and, and Stephen Fultz, many of those that came in my generation have led and and paved the path for you know enormous success. We need to celebrate that more. Um, our baseball association here locally. Um, you know, Parkview's had an enormous amount of success at the highest level of AAA basketball. Bridgewater's had we we need, and that's just the scratching of the surface. Like I'm just going on my own knowledge, and we need as a community to celebrate it more because those parades are never forgotten. You, look, you're talking about something that was 40 years ago, and it's immediately in your mind, Jack. Well, it's not just in my mind; it's in their mind. Their mind. That's the most hundred percent. I mean. These boys reached out to me. I mean, I, I, I've been retired now 15 years. It's been 40 years since this yeah. event and whatever. And these boys reached out to me this summer, you know, to be with the old coach and, Absolutely. and, and, and have a game of golf and this type of thing because it's still a very meaningful thing to him and, I, and to them. And I, and I think that's, that's the thing that, uh, that school sports does. It, it opens up... Uh, it opens up so many opportunities to kids for t- to travel, uh, mm. you know, and to do things. I mean, I, I had a, I had a junior high when I was still in Mahone Bay. I had a junior high school team uh, down to Louisiana and played. 
Uh, we, we we actually played uh, uh, at uh, LSU. Uh, we we were we were we played a prelim game to uh, to LSU Ole Miss game, which was only about twenty eight thousand people there and whatever. You, but here we had this little group of uh, young fellows, for, you know, 13, 14 years old from from uh, from Mahone Bay that was uh, there, and you know, some of those kids went on and played university. Well, it builds a community. That's what it does. I mean. Yeah. It builds a community of connection that you could, like I can go to Toronto and Todd Monroe is a cameraman for Sportsnet. For the Blue Jays. Yeah, for the Blue Jays. So I get to see Todd all the time when I go there. So even though maybe we've migrated across the country or even the globe, we stay connected, you know, and that community is incredible. And we're going to talk about alumni events that we've had and, because myself and Kenny and and and, and Tracy and and uh, many others have been involved, Mike Pope as well, that have done those events that have kept us all connected in that decade, I guess. But um, I want to go backwards a little bit before we, you know, get to recent times. But so you you had an you know right out of the bandbox, you're you're having success, and um, you're offered the opportunity to go to Parkview. Which, and I know a lot of people that from Bridgewater would say, well, why did he do that? Well, it's AAA basketball. It's the highest level of basketball in the province. It had to be something that was attractive for you to do because of that, right? Well, it, uh, it, it, you're right. It was, exa- it, it was exactly that. It was AAA, A and AA, AAA. And then it moved to Division one. Right, Division one now. And so it's a, a Division one school, which is one of the largest school, is, schools and, and whatever. And at the time, uh, we were on the bandwagon that, that basketball was one of the, you know, certainly not, not was certainly one of the more successful uh, sports. And, and you know, uh, for entertainment as well as uh, promotion and all that kind of stuff and whatever. And uh, you know, that's and I thought that would be a stepping stone to the next level. I, I I must admit that that what I did when I was at Bridgewater, we won the provincial championship my first year there in the early eighties. And the the next year you up, went you went AAA. I, I went AAA. Yeah. I went to because I had every kid except for Lindsay, which exactly. you talked about. All returned. All returned. So I wanted to give them another challenge, and uh, we ended up we ended up uh, Parkview at the time was supposed to host a provincial tournament, and they thought you know, and they were expected to be in it, and we beat them out, and so. They had to host a tournament. Their school, the only time that Bridgewater, uh, that Parkview ever hosted the provincial championship in boys basketball, and they weren't in it. We were in it, and uh, which which caused a little bit of stir. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we ended up in fifth place. We we lost in the open round to CEC. CEC was a school in Truro yeah. with uh, seventeen hundred kids. Huge you know, school. We had about three hundred in our yeah. school. At Bridgewater, and uh, and so we we end up winning the constellation, whatever. You end up in fifth in the province, or whatever. At the division three, uh, at the time, Harry Cook was the uh, mayor the of the town. Yep. Uh, you know, I I, I thought he was going to have a, a <laughs> posse out of it. You know, he's never forgiven me because he felt that that the following year we won the double A again. Uh, you know, the next level down. Right. Uh, and he thought, what a chance we could have won it three years in a row. And and what have we? Probably so. That doesn't matter though, Jack. We, we we did we did the same thing in baseball where I pushed my guys to the highest level. If you have got it teaches them to grow. 
if, if, if you just, if you lay back and just say, oh, well, we're good enough for you and we're going to win again, you're not learning anything. You're not growing as an athlete or as a person, I think. So you, it was the right call. Well, it also gave me the opportunity uh, because at that time, the, the idea of, of, uh, of the high school sport uh, spreading out beyond the province into, like, national tournaments yeah, and absolutely. stuff like that was just getting started. Just getting started. And, and uh, there was a tournament in Winnipeg called the WIT tournament. It was called the Winnipeg Invitational Tournament, and they brought in teams from all over the country. And I, I, I was involved with the school federation at the time as, as one of the rap, local reps and, and whatever, and, and got the hint that uh, if I took the team to the – to the division or AAA at that time, whatever you, that I would get an, an invite to go to that tournament, and I thought that's a big, that was the thing that I wanted to do. That's most. a big cookie. I wanted to take the kid, and I did. All the, but a lot of these boys that you just mentioned were on that team. They were, and I can certainly remember us going there, uh, and we did. We were were respectable kind of thing, but. Uh, but that was a big event. It was a week-long event. We, I mean, we stayed in a, in a, in a class hotel for a whole week and, and was escorted around and, had, you know, all kinds of things. But it showed the kids and the parents that through sport, you, you know, it can open up the doors no for question. all kinds of things. Hey, and actually, some of, the, some of those kids got to meet kids from – Either, I I can I can remember Mike Conrad uh, uh, sitting on the uh, floor of the hallway in the in the uh, in the hotel, uh, sitting alongside of uh, a young fellow uh, uh, who was six ten, uh, played uh, for a team out of uh, British Columbia, and they they were sitting down chewing the fat and whatever you you know sharing French fries at McDonald's whatever. But anyway. Um, that's what to me. That's what it was all. Well, about. you make friends because I know yeah. as a player I played. Um, many sports, but th- it's nice to be able to, when you compete on that national stage, when we go to the nationals in baseball, you get to meet other athletes that perform at that same level. And some of them, you keep friends forever, right? Like they just stay friends forever, which is those tournaments provide those platforms to be able to do that. And, and, you know, you think about our guys at that time flying into Winnipeg, that little tiny school and, little tiny Bridgewater, Nova Scotia, Canada, to fly into Winnipeg was like a Hoosiers movie to them. Yeah. You know, it really was. Uh, it was uh, a great uh, learning experience, I'm sure. And uh, many of them, if, if I had them all sitting here, which we might do sometime, I'm sure many of them would refer back to that time as a, a growth period in their lives, for sure. Uh, for, some, for some of these kids, that was the first time they were ever on a plane. I know. You know but, I mean, the world has really changed since oh. then. Uh, uh, but at the same time, I'm looking at it, when I look at it today, and I, I, I have to admit here, you know, of course, we were on the park field, and I do, you know, we do some major things with that, too, and whatever. I mean, I, I, one of the pride things I have with with my days at Parkview, I coached there for 21 years, the last couple of years, did the, I switched over and did the girls' program. But uh, but we, we took the boys' program to the provincial championships 12 straight years in a row. And, and I just thought, well, you know, that's, you know, for a small country school and whatever, that's, mm. you know, quite an accomplishment. But they're... Uh, Anyway, we, I, 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 I have since I've retired, I, I, I have tried to follow. But I'm telling you that I'm starting to become quite disheartened. I, for for whatever reason, I, you know, whether the kids aren't catching on or whether or not, 
Well, you know, whether or not the leadership just is not, uh, you know, not not as enthusiastic. I say, you know, I'm trying to be very political here. But Well, uh, on this show, you don't have to be politically correct. That's the nice thing about it. You can be brutally any, honest. But anyway, it's disappointing to see, because certainly, well, at Bridgewater, and then again, then at, at, at Parkview and whatever you, we had quite a thing going. Huh. In fact, I know the days when Bridgewater would play Parkview in a game. She said, if you weren't in that gym an hour beforehand, you didn't get, you didn't in. get in. You didn't get in? Yeah. And it was, it was rah-rah. I mean, geez, parents and fist fights and whatever. You know, yeah, I know that's... Community, community stuff. I mean, like there's a lot of pride stuff, on yeah. both sides. And, and I made this argument, and it's not about our school board at all in this, but I made that argument to our school board representatives that, the Bridgewater Parkview rivalry is part of our culture in our community, oh, whether it's in a hockey right. rink or in a basketball court or in a volleyball court or track and field, there was always a rivalry and it was healthy. It was good for our community. Right. It, it really did bring energy and we've lost that. I mean, that's, that's something that we always look forward to every year, the home and home basketball games and the home and home in the old Bridgewater Memorial arena where the, I mean, you would put, there would be, like 1,200 people in that rink. You couldn't move. In the, I remember playing in 1987, my first game. When we were in the dressing room, it felt like we were in, like, Notre Dame. Like you, you, you just feel the energy in the arena. And when we walked out on the ice, it just felt like it was a cathedral. Like, it was just, like, it was just, like, Roman times. It was just... And when the guys in the basketball games come out for warm-up, they, they must have felt like they were in the NBA. Because it would be no better environment. You couldn't get, other than having 20,000 people in, in Detroit or Boston or L.A. Yeah, Because I, I think that not only just playing the game, but I, I think, again, it, it was the fact that the kids realized that they were in something that was pretty special important. And special. Pretty special. Absolutely. And this is what I'm sort of a little disappointed with today because – you know, I, in the last couple of years, I've always tried to go up to one of the early games because, uh, you know, mom and I call, well, call my wife mom. Uh, you know, we, we've been lucky enough to, for, to until COVID hit, uh, to winter away in Arizona for the last uh, 15 years or so. And uh, so so I try to get up early in the season and see a game right. or two and whatever. It's, it's, it's like going to the morgue. Yeah. You know, it's... You know, I've, uh, and I walk away thinking, oh, my, you know, you know what we had going, we, you know, what, what has happened here, you know, kind of thing. Well, we haven't forgotten it. I know on both sides of the schools, because I know thousands of each school students, and we, we revisit that regularly. We try to at least, even on an annual basis, if we can revisit that special time in our lives because we had great friendships. We had great community events. Um, we had a, a very healthy rivalry. Even our dances were a lot of fun back in the day. And I don't want to get into way, way back in our time because I know that kids today don't like being compared. But I think the events that we had replaces a lot of the social media stuff that we do today that replaces what we used to do. I, I, I want to go to a time that you, I know you remember. The biggest thing about Nova Scotia at that time was there was one school that really stood out. And with all of the attention that's going on in the United States right now with Black Lives Matter, um, you know, Cobbequid Educational Center at that time, um, 
or, oh, no, I shouldn't say that. It was QEH, uh, Queens Elizabeth, James McQuaid, and the rest of those guys, they were literally the, the only team that had an all-black starting lineup in Nova Scotia. And I remember when they came to Parkview or Bridgewater, and they put on those boom boxes of, of uh, hip-hop music from, you know, way, we're talking way back in the day, where they played, you know, um, pirated cassettes and give guys like Blaine Seymour on these pirated cassettes of this hip-hop music that came out of New York City. And these guys would come out in the court, and the first three or four guys or five guys would all dunk. We would be like, you know, boys, we're not in Kansas anymore, yeah. right? What was what was it like for our guys? Well, that was back in the sort of the mid-'80s. It was, I'm, I'm, yeah, 84, I'm, I'm 85, yeah. And uh, there was a gentleman that coached at uh, – at QEH, uh, an old phys ed teacher, an old army guy, one time I think, and whatever you know, and uh, his name is Bobby Douglas. Yeah, Bobby he's Douglas since, uh, uh, passed away, and and uh, whatever. But him and I developed quite a friendship over a number of things because he was involved with uh, uh, refereeing some and and this type of thing and whatever. But we both uh, were you know were pretty keen on the coaching, of course. And at the time, we had a pretty good team, mo- mostly white boys. And he had a pretty good team, mostly black uh, uh, boys. And and what was happening is uh, every weekend we would uh, uh, the, the the teams across the uh, or the schools across the province always want to have a big tournament. Yeah, if you somewhere. have a big tournament, you had to have the best teams. So it became a traveling road show. Like we'd be showing up at their, uh, at different uh, d- different venues every week. You know, but. QEA and uh, QEH and ourselves uh, and whatever. In fact, lots of times, Bo- Bobby and I would uh, would room together just to save some money, kind of stuff, whatever, <laughs> and have a toddy or two. Yeah, love it, love course, it. Uh, kids were not supposed to know that, but whatever. Anyway, yeah. You think they didn't know that, Jack? Yeah, Come oh, on. Well, I'm sure they did. But anyway, yeah. Uh, anyway, we developed quite a friendship that sort of spread to the kids, and uh, they became quite close. In eighty, I think it was eighty five, eighty six. Parkview played QEH five times, and we lost all five games by nine points. Wow. The last one was provincial championship in Toronto. We held the lead until 37 seconds left to go in the game, and a kid stole the ball, and one of our players had to foul. Kid stuck two foul shots. His only two points of the game, and QEH won that tournament. That was the fifth win over Parkview, the total winning score for the five games was nine points. Had to be tough and, on the boys. And, uh, you know, I, I I often thought, well, and in fact, be very truthful, as a lead-up to that particular that particular year, QEH was supposed to come down and play us. And uh, we couldn't play in our school. We had to go to the community college, or at that time it was called the vocation school, yep. here in Bridgewater to have the game. We couldn't do it because it was a janitor strike or something or whatever. The day of the game, Bobby called up and says, uh, Jack, he said, uh, we're going to have to cancel. I, I'm not feeling well. I'm sick. I, we got, I got, oh, you got to cancel. And I said, oh, my God, Bobby. The kids are so excited, and we and we trimmed up the vocation uh, oh, school. Yeah. We had a big banner up and, mm. and that type of thing. Q, it was QEH Lions, yep, so we had Lions. a big sign up, the Lions sleep tonight, and we played that song <laughs> in the jungle. Anyway, uh, Bobby says, I can't make it, Jack. I just, we just, I just can't come. So I said, oh, okay, all right. So I went, but I was going to wait till the end of the period 
and then have to make the announcement that the game was off. About 10 minutes later, the principal calls. The whole team went into his office at QEH and said, we want to go. Wow. And, 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 uh, and Coach, uh, Coach Douglas had a girlfriend at, at the time, Libby, who, who, uh, who, did, uh, who taught English. She agreed that she would come down as a chaperone. The principal's son was a point guard. He said, well, I guess I'll go, I'll go along with too. Sure. If you want to let our manager, so we don't know anything about basketball, but the manager uh, will, uh, will, uh, will coach the team. We'll just be on the bench with him. We say, he said, if you, the boys want to coach. They just love it when they come down to, you know, but they say, no, the, the crowd, the atmosphere is so good, good and whatever. He said, yeah, sure. Well, I said, that's Michael, pull, see if you can pull that's, up uh, Queen Elizabeth yeah. High School basketball, like 83 to 86. See that. Uh, see that. It would be great if you see some photos that come up, so Jack can see them. And anyway, uh, anyway, it was uh, it was interesting because they, they came down, and um, I think the game went into overtime, and they beat us with two foul shots in the old uh, vocational school uh, gym, and uh, and and the guy, the guy who coached the team for them was their manager. And this guy's name was Doug Partridge, who went on to become a very successful university coach at Memorial University. That's fantastic. I couldn't even beat the manager that year. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, but uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was quite the, uh, it was quite the time. And, uh, and actually one of those years, and I don't know exactly if it was that year or not. Uh, I think it was actually, it might have been in 84, in 1984, uh, the um, the uh, the QEH team had five boys. Their five starting players all went on and played university. Oh ball. yeah, that was unbelievable. 84, and and that yeah. particular year there was one 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 of the finest guys. And he was a he was just an all right gentleman kind of thing, uh, uh, and. Uh, and he he, uh, he he his name was Jason Wilson, yeah. and I my, my star player was Kevin Vino, and Jason Wilson and Kevin Vino went on to become teammates in Acadia, at Acadia University, yeah, Acadia University, and uh, and played in the national final at the Metro Center against the uh, Victoria Vikings. I mean, in that championship game, it was played in QEH. Uh, that particular year, and QEH beat us. Um, Jason, I think, had uh, 25 points, and, and Kevin Vino had 24. Yeah. Both of them went on to become absolute superstars at the next level kind of thing. Well, the, I think Ke Kevin's coaching basketball now, isn't he, in the Valley? Yeah, Kevin actually is the principal of, yeah. of, a, of a major high school, and he actually has a son, uh, Kevin Vino, that basically it was a star player and helped uh, and helped Dalhousie Targets the last two years win the go. AUS title and whatever. But you know it it was showed that the closeness and and the fact that how you know he was a he, he was a an all a, a, you know a, a white boy from an all white school and a black boy from an all pretty well all black school and what a black school uh, anyway end up 
being teammates and best of friends. Best of friends, hundred percent. I, I think another, I think we need we need more of that in the world. Another thing that sport does, hundred percent, it breaks down that racial barrier to hundred percent degree kind of thing, and we we just need more of that in our world today. Let's talk about systems because one of the things that I found um, being around you a lot, watching you, even as a young man, I I try to study coaches because I wanted to be one one day. So I try to look at, you know, what can I take from this person and that person and who's a motivational speaker and who's a, a systems guy and who, who puts mental pressure on teams and whether it's basketball, hockey, baseball, it didn't matter to me. I, I watched everybody. And one of the things I found about your teams that you coached was they were a system-based team. They really understood their roles on the court. Talk about that really, uh, you know, where you learned that, obviously, with a lot of the clinics that you took, you, you try to, you know, incorporate some of those ideas that you learn and you put it and you make it your own system, yeah. you know. And I can tell you that that system lasted for decades and decades, even after you were done, because you, you mentored other coaches that were assistant coaches on your staff that tried to incorporate the same systems, and it's worked for a long time. So talk about that. Well, I think uh, what helped, uh, what helped me, of course, a couple of things. Number, number one at the I during my era of time, we did have a lot of interest right from the elementary level. So at the high school level, I was getting in pretty good athletes, pretty good basketball players every year. And so therefore, you know, they all had some ability. And so we could have a much more team concept. I, I developed very early in my career mainly because I sat on the bench all my life. And I, and I felt I should be a star player, but I, I guess coach didn't think I was, you know. Uh, but any, anyway, I just thought, well, if a, if, if a kid is, is on a team, you, say, you know, there's 12 of them on the team, let's say, and he comes to practice every day and you want him to work hard, what you got to do is give him a chance. And so my concept was, and the kids bought into it right away, and then even when I coached the girls in my later career, they bought into it even more so, whatever you First half, everybody plays. Second half, we play to win. Every kid that puts a uniform on gets on the floor at some Amen. point in time Amen. in the first half. And and we all know that the best players play the majority of the minutes, but they all can contribute. You'd be surprised how much even the 12th kid on the team wants to come to practice, wants to do well, wants to pay attention, wants to work hard because they know they are going to get on the floor. They don't want to embarrass themselves. It makes for a great team effort. I love it. And the fact that then if you can incorporate the whole concept of, uh, I had another thing that I liked is that, uh, that I like to do a multi-defense where I don't just play man. I just don't play zone. We play a whole whack of things. And in the first half, I want to play at least eight or nine different defenses. Yeah. In the second half, we'll pick the one that we think is doing the best. I remember, Jack, how many second halves did I watch you come out and put full court pressure on right away or trap defenses right away coming right out of the box? Like, it just surprised the team because you kind of, you kind of, you know, you get in the second half, it's kind of, you know, uh, you're just getting into the half. You guys put pressure on immediately. Yeah, well, I you know, my idea was, too, that, if you keep changing up, and, well, I mean, I'll tell you about my platoon system, but anyway, uh, if, we, if you keep changing up, okay, if we, 
If we uh, if we score, we do this. If we don't score, we do that. If the ball goes out of bounds here, we do this and whatever. You, what it does, it keeps the kids oh, away. Oh, sharp. They don't they don't fall asleep on you. No they got to be changing all the time, and it just keeps you a little bit more alert. The other thing I like to do in order to get everybody in, I I did a, what they call what I call the platoon system. I wrote a, an article for uh, for basketball Nova Scotia on this one time and whatever. And my and my idea was. Uh, that I would pick certain uh, times in the game that I would do a whole thing. It would be five on, five off. So I'd have my starter. Let's say uh, starters, your best players or whatever. They'd be out there, and it might be three minutes into the game. I'd haul them off, put another five on. Uh, and each year I always gave them a different uh, – uh, a different uh, role. Yeah. Like I remember you know, when they were having the desert storm or whatever, I, I think I call that crew the Iraqi attack or something, you know, like whatever, or the bumblebees or whatever, you know, kind of thing. They weren't out there for long, and they knew it. They were going out for a purpose, and I'd have them playing a different defense. And, you know, yeah. So I just, it gave me a chance to bring the other kids off to give them a little breather as well as having a timeout without calling a timeout. That's the truth. And uh, the kids might be out, out there for only one click at the clock. They were out, but they didn't mind because they knew that be alert because you don't know when I'm going to send you out again. You know, did you say do something else and maybe be longer or whatever. And, it, it, you know, plus at the end of the game, usually what happened was our kids were fresher and they yeah. were in less foul trouble. That's true. Why? Because everybody got in. Exactly. And uh, it just meant that when we won a game, everybody felt a part of it because everybody contributed. You know, did did the best players play most of the time? Sure. But everybody had a contribution. It's one of the rules I think I would have loved to have seen in sport at the school level and at the minor level in our province, I know baseball in Nova Scotia, it would have been in 2009, they incorporated a rule that everybody played like equal time. That's not easy to do in basketball, but I do think that if a player is selected to be on the team, I think they should have the opportunity to grow as an athlete and as a person. And even to say that, you know, if you have a a roster of 12 players on a basketball team, they all play then you're not getting that coach that thinks only of winning playing six or seven players. They have to figure out, I've got 12 or I've got 10. I've got to figure out as a coach how to get them all involved like you're talking about. Somebody may not, and Michael played basketball for Bridgewater High School and Bridgewater Junior Senior High School, and Michael wasn't the tallest kid in the world, but the bottom line is is if, if you could find that role for that player, whether a, a defensive role whether they're good at they're good at pick and roll, whether they're good at a, a trap, a half court trap, or a full court press, you find those players that can do that. Then they feel like they contribute, and they all feel like if you do win, they're a part of it. We had uh, we had one boy um, who who went on to become quite a quite a star player for Dallas Target. Have him win a win won the first AUS or won the latest AUS titles and whatever a number of years ago. Well, unfortunately, he uh, passed away uh, you know, way before his time. Uh, you know, uh, his name was Jeff Mayo. Yeah. And when Jeff was in grade ten, that's when we won our first provincial title. And he was um, he was a great tenor. Uh, he was going to be good, and uh, he helped us win uh, a couple of other uh, uh, provincial championships, especially in his gra- graduating year. But when he was in grade ten, the other point guard I had on the team 
was uh, was another an older kid in, in grade twelve, and we were playing a game against uh, I think it was Yarmouth High School and whatever. We were trying to wear down a kid, uh, their point guard and whatever. He was quite a player and quite a shooter. So I had to set some set up and whatever. You, so so uh, the uh, the male kid would go out and play uh, defense. And the other point guard would be out and play out. I mean, you, this is what you do in football. You don't do this in basketball. But I had the kids doing it. I mean, it it, it was a nightmare for the referees because every time it turned around, I was subbing. They, they, and, and they weren't being subbed in by me. They were subbing in themselves. themselves. They, knew they knew when they were supposed to go in, when they were supposed to go out. And, you know, the, the older kid's father, and I, I, I you know, he, he, he realized later, he was ready to punch me up at the end of the game. He, could, he thought, <laughs> What was I doing to his son or whatever, you know, kind of thing? I tried, you know, like, why was I taking him off? He's doing so good and whatever. I said, well, you better ask him why. He didn't realize what I was trying to do right. here. But I was switching these kids off and on the floor, offense, defense kind of thing, whatever, which in basketball is very difficult to do. But but there is a way you can do it, and and and, uh, and we did it. And well, it's being innovative too, Jack. Yeah. I mean, you're, you, it's not a cookie-cutter style. When you're a coach – of a team on any team and you're innovative traditionalists will kind of bucket and I'm a very different coach in baseball than the traditionalists are and I recognize that but I I want to be innovative I want every player to feel like they contribute I want them to feel like they're, they're part of the, the success and the failure when we fail I want them to learn from it so being innovative like that gets everybody involved and you're setting up this grade 10 student to be a future star in grade 11 and 12 rather than just sitting on the bench you're giving him an important role early in his life because most grade 10s that play on a talented team don't play a lot yeah well he went on uh, uh, jeff jeff went on to yeah. uh, to uh, be a, the starting point guard for dow and in his graduating year was the uh, was uh, all canadian uh, he was the mvp basketball and the most viable uh, player top athlete at Dallas University that in his graduating year the, the, the Mayo family in general had really good athletes I coached uh, his younger brother Matt in in baseball They're, they were just a talented they love sports I remember going out to Newcomville with with Jeff and um, shooting hoops with those guys when they were kids you know it's just uh, they love the game they love sports so it was it was an he probably worked his ass off every day, and he loved doing it. As a tribute uh, to to Jeff, uh, he he was put into our local uh, sport hall of fame here in Lunenburg County. Uh, it was something that we've just got started uh, a few years back, right? And I think uh, it was untimely with his death and whatever. But we thought maybe that might be a, before uh, the consequence of a kid like that. And we have we have dozens of young athletes uh, uh, in our county who played at the world-class level. 100%. And, and they need to be recognized and yeah. remembered. No question. And I think Jeff certainly uh, is uh, one of them. And it was really funny that I know I, at the induction ceremony, I sort of mentioned this, that, that I had him on because I did the uh, the provincial team, the junior men's team, uh, which Jeff played a couple of years, uh, leading up to the 93 uh, 
Canada Games, but he wasn't eligible for that because he was too old. So I wasn't going to take him the, the year before. We were going out to Canada to play uh, for the National Summer Championships and what have you as a lead-up to the Canada Games. So I thought, well, I better take kids that are going to be there. And I wasn't going to take Jeff and whatever you, and his mother got word of that and whatever, you know, geez, I thought she was going to come and burn my house down, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I was really just <laughs> testing the waters because I knew this would be the last opportunity that I would have to work yeah. with this kid. And he was so dedicated and such a, you know, and actually to be very truthful, we, we, uh, I can remember the year before we, we played Manitoba and they beat us by 49 and, and with Jeff on the team, the following year we we uh, we we end up uh, uh, losing in overtime by one, you know, kind of thing. So he brought us quite a long way on that. But uh, but anyway, uh, once again, the kinds of experiences that these kids can get through being involved with sport and and playing at a fairly competitive level. And, of course, the only way you can play it, I mean, I, I remember this uh, young male, geez, when he was in grade five, I mean, he was coming to our summer basketball camps, yeah. and, uh, you know, kind of thing. And this kid would be running from one drill to the next. And, and he, I mean, just uh, he just ate, drank, and slept. You know, and and that's how you become fairly good. you got to put the time in and whatever you. And well, you look, at, you look at a lot of those kids, uh, including your own son um, and Marcus, Dulliver, I mean, all those kids, I, I had Candace Ernst in the studio here a couple of weeks ago where her and her brother, Corey, just after you left Bridgewater, they used to go to every game. She was three or four years old and they, and, and Cedric had two little mini basketballs and at every halftime, those two kids would go down the floor this. and shoot the hoops. Yeah. So every time you had a game like that, you had the future players coming to all those games because they wanted to be the next ones. They wanted to be the next group, you know, and, and I saw it every time because I was involved with, with the program as an announcer, a videographer. I, I was more predominantly hockey and baseball and sports, but I was always connected with the basketball team. I used to travel with the basketball team for three years with Glenn Matthews um, and videotape the guys and, and announce their home games. And I, I loved it. I mean, the atmosphere, when, when I knew Parkview Bridgewater was coming on, I actually had to go to the music teacher, Ken Foote, and say to Ken, like, I need your PA system. I cannot announce these basketball games anymore with that little, remember that little PA system we had in the gymnasium, the little speakers up on the wall? I mean, you just, you couldn't hear anything because... It was so loud in the gym. I mean, you'd have four or 500 people in a gym. It was like from rafter to rafter. So I said, I need the PA system. And it, that's when we made that change. And it was just an, an incredible event every time. But you, those kids became the future players. When you see them in grade six and, you know, uh, five years later, they were the best player on their team. You know, it's funny that you, you mentioned your role and whatever you, uh, and you, you were one of many, like, I mean, of course, they all can't play and whatever, you, but we had a whole slew, and oh, I remember at Bridge, Bridgewater, I used to call them the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the Vim Volunteers or something like that, Viking Vim Volunteers or whatever, you know, kind of thing. It was a whole slew of girls, and they'd be making the posters. Absolutely. They would be keeping yeah. the score. They'd be, they'd be cutting the oranges up. They would be, yeah. boy, 
They loved it. And you know, like one of them, I know, uh, you know, one of them, very, very fine, amazing girl that, uh, well, her, her, her boy, you just mentioned uh, earlier. Her, Dr. Her son, Marianne. Her, yeah, yeah, her Marianne. son, her son, uh, her, son her, sorry, her brother. Her brother. John, who went on to be, become, uh, you know, an SMP officer. In fact, here he is retired to already. He shows you how old I am. But, but Marianne, at the time, was just a young kid. What just wanted to be involved with stuff and whatever. And so she she was at the table doing clock or whatever, everything, whatever. And I know that she still looks back. I mean, she's a very successful, uh, you know, with Air Canada. Yeah, Air Flight and whatever, travels all over the world and whatever. You, but I know it's still time. And, and, and that she was just one of... Dozens. Well, oh, yeah. they're, they're practically and all these kids, you know, wanted to be involved because they seen it as something that, you know, was, well, was special. fun to be. With. It, it was, was special. special. It was fun and to you be take with. for an example, like when Marianne graduated in '83, because I still have the yearbook, and she was president of student council at the time. Or no, she was. Um, she was president. She was the yearbook president. She's the editor, and um, Marianne was part of a group of girls in the school that progressively went through. But then there was they always had those grade 11s, grade 10s, grade 9s. They were always teaching that next group that's coming through. Because, like you said, the banners the banners that we made used to be on old brown paper. Remember those rolled-up paper? And they used to paint them. So all the signs in the gymnasium were painted. So it took a lot of time yeah. to make this gymnasium and, look like it was and while we were practicing in the gym they, they were doing yeah, their stuff on the right, stage yeah or out in the hallway out kind in the of hallway. thing whatever you and of course a lot of them you know the, the, that's who the boyfriends were so well, they yeah, wanted to hang course, around anyway yeah. kind of thing but you know when you look at it you go you know to the next let's say you know going back to the old americanism again or whatever you you look at these schools and whatever and we're not talking just ncaa schools we're talking High schools, oh. you know, Friday night Huge. in America is high Huge. school football night, and it takes hundreds of people oh. to be involved with that. No whatever. question. You know, your cheerleaders, your band, yeah, yeah, you imagine being all this kind of stuff, and whatever. I mean, it's you know, it it's uh, it's big time stuff. If you walk into a gymnasium, in, in your case, it's basketball. It takes hundreds of people to put that event on. It's it takes people sitting at the door taking the money to come in and the stamps and the tickets you're selling 50 50 tickets you have people um that are doing the lights if you're going to put a light show on you have people that are doing the, the the sound the announcer and the music you're doing you have someone doing this two people doing the score clock because you have a shot clock person and a regular clock and they need to know what they're doing like it's not it's you just don't you're just not you don't have a stopwatch in basketball it's, you, it's, there's a skill to being to do that work and they're all at the head table I sat at the head table for, well, three or four years in Bridgewater, and the, the people around me had to know what they were doing. It was like an event. And that was just those people. Then you have the volunteers that are coaching. You have not just yourself. You have your assistant coaches, your managers, your trainers. You have all the parents that are coming to watch the kids. It's a massive, massive undertaking every every big game. It's a concept and, you know, whatever. You know, actually, it's funny. You, you mentioned about, you know, times going <laughs> There's a guy that, like, I'm retired now. I have a little painting business, and one one of the guys that works with me is, uh, his name is Joey Sardi, and he, um, <laughs> he's a retired teacher. Yeah. Joey, he did some coaching. Soccer was his sport and whatever. We were talking the other day. He said, you know, do you remember when we had the tournaments at, uh, at the vocational school? He said, I was I was just a high school kid. He said, and you were paying me $2 a game to, uh, to score. He said, she said, I thought I was... 
I thought I was making a fortune. I know. Yeah. He, and now, but he remembers this. Oh, and yeah. That, that was only 40 years ago. Yeah, just yeah. a couple, just a yeah. couple of years ago. <laughs> let's talk about, um, we're, you know, we're talk, talking a little bit about high school basketball here, but let's just talk a little bit about college basketball, which is your, your passion. But before I do that, I want to kind of go into this era because you're coming into the 80s. Not only were you coming at a time where basketball was becoming more and more popular, but it was more um, prevalent on television too because the two athletes, you know, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, Dr. J was slightly before that. I remember Darren Haley, my cousin, who you coached, uh, Darren and Derek and Selena and Glenda um, are my mother's sister's kids. Every December 25th, we're watching the NBA on TV at that time. So Darren loved the Sixers. I loved the Lakers. And those athletes really made the sport even more popular to play. Well, yeah, but remember, and you mentioned about being Christmas and whatever. That was about the only time you could see the see the game. Yeah, I know. It's only uh, maybe a couple of the of the. Well, Magic uh, and Bird. That was the era eighty eighty one when when Magic and Bird went with the Indiana State Michigan State final. Then the CBS took on the contract. So. Right. That's when basketball, but before that, there was nothing on no, TV. No. So this really helped springboard yeah. basketball at the high school level where we lived because it was so popular on television, even though we only had about five channels at that time. I remember, I, I, I like to tell a story about, uh, uh, I never could, I never knew about the NCAA. We used to get uh, Converse, used to ha- yeah, yeah. send out uh, real, uh, uh, highlight reels of the year before NBA, NCAA, high school, that, that kind of stuff, and whatever. Jeez, we used to love to see this uh, come in the mail, and we'd reach out and whatever. And we really got into watching the NCAA, and you could, you could sometimes, I had a, I got lucky after a while, I got a satellite dish and was able to get, but I can remember one time, you know, uh, a good friend of mine and, and uh, fellow phys ed uh, teacher, Mike Vanderton, him and I took our wives into Dartmouth on a Monday night, booked a room because they had satellite and they showed the championship <laughs> game. It comes on at like 10 after 10 or oh, something yeah. Yeah. at night. We watched it till 1 o'clock in the morning. We had school the next day. So we, we rented the room. To watch sit the on game. the bed, four of us, and watch this cha- championship game. I think the Hoosiers, uh, the uh, Hoyers, are playing Georgetown, and uh, I can't remember who else. But anyway, anyway, and get, and then drove home. We were so excited to see this stuff. Yeah, how things have changed. Oh boy, right now it's <laughs> everywhere. Can't get enough of it. Oh, it's, it's all so over the place. Everywhere. It really yeah. is. But it just shows how special it meant to you to be able to see those kind of things because. Georgetown, coached by John Thompson at the time. Now, Bobby Knight was with Indiana. There were some really cool stories going on in college basketball that really led the NBA to be better and better all along. So it, 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 was, a, it was a great great time to be part of basketball at that time. In the mid-'80s, uh, there was a, a clinic in New York uh, in the Catskill Mountains. It was at a, a Jewish ski resort called Cutcher's, and they used to have – um, a national coaches uh, clinic there for a whole week, and you paid one fare, and you got you know your, your meal room meals, and and you get three sessions a day, and they had football guys there, and they had basketball and soccer, and, you know baseball and you know whatever. So we'd get on to basketball, and one of the guys, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm sitting in a bar 
with uh, Hubie Brown. <laughs> I mean, what, you know, what Nova Scotia guy kid gets to do this and what have you got? And he was just going with the New York Knicks, and and he and he was getting ready to sign Bell Cartwright. And and uh, any anyway, one of the guys that was there, God bless his soul, he, he you know he died of cancer. Jim Valvan, yeah, Jimmy Valvan, and yeah. uh, Jimmy Fund, yeah. And he was, you know. He was a stand-up comic, Jewish comic, and whatever his father was concerned, and whatever. He just he just brought the house down whenever he was he North was, Carolina State, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he tells the story. Uh, he tells the story that he went to the wrong uh, wrong uh, Riley, uh, you know, kind of thing. He went to South Carolina or somewhere, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, uh, when he got to the right school and uh, North Carolina State and whatever, and and uh, the. Uh, he, he, they went to South Carolina, whatever, and they lost. And he comes back, back, and uh, the the Wolfpack uh, president, whatever, the, of the uh, you know chairman section, whatever, sent him a note and said, "Listen, uh, you know, we we hope you do well, but just don't don't ever lose to South Carolina again, or we'll kill your dog." <laughs> so he says uh, he sends him back a note and explains a little bit about you know the game and how things went down and whatever, and you take his advice wisely and whatever. And he said, you know, by the way, I, I don't have a dog. <laughs> next day, somebody appeared at the door with a little dog, had a sign attached, don't get too attached. <laughs> That's the kind of guy this you probably anyway. But I would never have gotten to meet guys like that. Yeah. And, I, you know, John Thompson, Lou Canisacker at St. John, all these guys and whatever you – you know, Bobby and I, what I, you know, I got to meet these guys. We were the same simply way. Simply because, yeah. you know, I, I had the interest in. Well, you, know, you, you, in, in you drove the miles. Yeah. You drove the miles. Like, oh, oh, yeah. we go, many. many of years we went to the World Baseball Coaches Convention in Hartford, Connecticut. And it, it we drove. And it, I mean, you're talking 13, 14 hour drives. Yeah. But that's nothing to meet people that can make you better. Yeah. If you can have a whole weekend of knowledge and bring that back, if you can get five nuggets in a weekend, Jack. Five nuggets. You're you're better the next year. So are you willing to invest your time it, it, and energy? It, it? it was funny because we'd we talked to some of the American high school coaches down there and whatever, and we'd tell them what we've just done. You know, drove down to our own expense and all this kind of stuff. They, they think say, you're crazy. You know, they say, what? say what? Yeah. You know, like like we're getting two hundred, you know, two hundred dollars a day to be here. To be here. Not all our expenses. Yeah. You know, like the truth. So, you know, no, just, it just it just again it solidifies your love and passion for the game just does it you, you don't you just do it because you love it and i just chris sink is a the current president of bridgewater baseball association and i we used to travel whether it was toronto to see the blue jays or the world baseball coaches whatever the case may be dr drive or fly the miles to become a better coach because if you're a better coach it means you can be a better mentor which means you're building better kids which means you're building a better community it all just circles it's a it's a full circle you know the circle of life that 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 one the the Lion King movie we used to had years ago is it really is and you have been one of those and I know you downplay it so much but you have made such a mark on so many young people's lives I I don't think you really let that set in to understand how much I'm and I'm speaking on behalf of the thousands that would wrap their arms around you right now and give you a hug because of what you've meant to so many. My mother, I said to her today, I said, you know, guess who, guess who I'm interviewing today? And, she's, and she said, who? I said, Jack Murphy. She says, tell Jack, oh, I said, hello. And the first thing she had was a smile on her face. 
you notice that? Like, I, that's the first thing I noticed was it wasn't, oh, Jack Murphy. It was a smile on her face because that's what you left behind with everyone. Yeah. No, that was because she was my dance partner <laughs> when we were 10 years old doing the country square or whatever. And don't let her ever forget that. I'll be sure to remind her when I get well, down to see her. Well, I thank you really for these kind kind words and whatever you, but uh, I, I, I'd i be remiss if I didn't sort of say that, you know, while I brought up 16,000 other students, I I had two of my own that didn't do too bad. Yeah, they did. But, but there they had did. to be somebody that looked after them, and that was yeah, Mom. 100%. She, she, uh, she brought them along pretty good, and, and uh, you know, I, I certainly thank her for that. But there, uh, But it's been quite a ride. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's sort of something I don't think I'd ever, I'd ever sort of go back and sort of say, well, I wish I could done something different, you know, kind of thing. But, uh, talk about Jay for a second though. I remember Jay, one of the things when we were in school, Jay was quite young and uh, in junior high at the time, I really believe a young junior high student when I was in high school and, um, you know, just to see Jay in those photos, every year when you guys won a regional or provincial championship was really cool to see his progression. Then ultimately became a player on your team. He was, he was sort of the mascot in Bridgewater and whatever. In fact, he's on the provincial, he's on the provincial team photo, whatever kind of thing, uh, you know, whatever. And, and he'd be, uh, the boys would look after him. I'd take him with me for give him a break. I'd take him with me, you know, kind of thing. Jeez, he'd stay with the boys and whatever. Hell knows what they did with him, but, uh, you know, but he loved it and whatever. And that's, you know, of course, because of that, he was in the gym a lot and whatever. Yes, he did go on and play with me. Sometimes that's a very good experience. No, that's a tough and one. Sometimes yeah. it is I played for experience. my father. I was one of these guys that said, there'll be no way that any parent any adult out there is ever going to say I showed favoritism. Yeah, 100%. And so what was happening lots of times, Jay would get lambasted because I, I, you know, I knew he was doing things that probably the other kids were doing too, but, you know, they weren't in front of me. He was. And I would make sure, in fact, to be very truthful, when we were, he, thank Lord, he was, he was with me on the very first provincial championship team that, Parkview had that was at CEC. We played Cole Harbor. Yeah, I remember and that. He was an active player uh, with that, with that, and whatever. You the next year we lost to Cole Harbor at Acadia University in the provincial final in overtime. The reason why is because I subbed him out and put another kid in, a Gladwin kid, because I felt he was a better shooter, and he threw the ball away twice, and uh, they beat us. Jay is never, you know, he, he loves me dearly and I love him. But, but he's, he's never, never forgot he's that. He's never forgot that. Sorry. <laughs> and I'll tell you that Jay never, and he could have, Jay never won at one time. He never won, uh, you know, uh, player of the game, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, nothing. And I made sure of that yeah. because I, you know. Well. I, I, he, you know, hey, he, he's still alive today. He's still, you know, doing well, you know, this type of thing. Uh, you know, and he might be a better person for it, but I never want to have said that I showed favoritism. It's not easy to do. Play. So when my daughter came along, she looked at me and said, and, and Nadia played, uh, came along, he ended yeah. up going to Concordia, played for them a little bit and whatever. Then, and then, of course, uh, got into medicine, and now was an orthopedic surgeon up in Kenville. But, uh, but uh, she said to me, Dad, 
don't you dare coach that girl's dad. <laughs> Good advice, Nadia. Good advice. It's not easy. It really isn't. And the thing is, Jay comes into a system that you're already there. So you're the guy, right? So he's coming in. He knows this because he's a young boy. He knows what he's in for. Like, he gets it. And it's not easy because, I mean, I'm sure there's times that he played and, and knew he was player of the game. But you don't – it's just tough, right? It's just tough to deal with. But you know what? I think he understands it more now than ever because it's just part of the deal. One, one time, the only award that Jay ever won in, in the basketball and whatever, you know, it was when we had – one of the highlight tournaments that we have, in, uh, unfortunately, because of COVID this year, they're unable – they just announced yeah. that. They're not having it, and that's the Cold Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I had the Bridgewater team there, and I had, had Parkview there the a big number of times. And I, you know, and I made sure that we went one year that Jay was there to enjoy that and whatever you – and there was an there was a, there was an award that was given out at that uh, at that tournament. That's a week long tournament. Your house rate is called. I mean, only only Cape Breton could pull this off. And uh, anyway, it was it was wonderful uh, time. And and every, practically every time we were there, we were in the final. And uh, anyway, one of the awards that were given out there, we'll call it the geniality award. Or, you know, it was the most popular player. Voted by the students up there, and Jay won that. Very cool. Because Jay had a personality that yeah, he, he did li- li- get along with the kids, and you know, he loved people too. He loved people. This kind of stuff. Yeah. And and I had no control. I of, I of couldn't stop. I couldn't vote. I couldn't stop that vote. Yeah, what good, are you? good. There you go, Jay. So good on you, only, man. Good that's on the you. Only basketball award he's ever won. <laughs> you know, you you sit back and think about really the decades of players that go through your the annals of time in your mind, and I know how you feel because I've done 30 years in baseball. What do you – this is a chance for you to talk to all your, your players at one time. It's, you're in a mic – you have a microphone. I'm going to make sure that people get to see this. And what do you got to say to some of the guys and girls that you've coached over the years? What the hell what, – what did they mean to you? Well, you know, I, I, I felt that – you know, like I, I, we still hang around with a younger crowd of people, including our kids, you know, type of thing, doing stuff with them and whatever. And I always thought that mom and I were able to, you know, we're both in our early 70s uh, now, but we still enjoy going to basketball games and, and getting out and being with younger people and whatever because we feel younger. And I think the reason why we feel younger is because we spent all that time yeah. in hotels and and uh, stuff like that with the, with these kids and whatever and uh, and and as i mentioned here a little while ago when you have a guy like Lindsay Herndon who's who's retired he he went on to become uh, a, a member of the Halifax Regional Police Force. Then he was a trainer for them. He's retired from them. Now he's working for the RCMP. Yeah. You know, he's in his he's in his mid mid fifties. He uh, he's got a Harley, or I think it's a Harley. Daily <laughs> likes to ride and whatever you now kind of thing. But but here's a guy that you know I I spent a little time with this summer. I mean, from the time we were there forty years ago. But I but I've got hundreds of kids like that 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 have helped keep me young and we spend a lot of time with them and whatever i know a couple of years ago and i won the frank baldwin award uh you know it's you know of course i had to 
fond memory for old Frank uh, Baldwin, the head of uh, basketball in Nova Scotia at the time. And yeah, Michael and, had some uh, of his pictures uh, up and, here earlier. And uh, Frank and, Baldwin, Michael. Yeah. And anyway, um, anyway, uh, a few years back, uh, they honored me by uh, by. Uh, uh, you know, giving me uh, the award to represent him, and I, and I mean, I I actually spoke at his uh, his wake, and uh, and so, I you know I um, I, I just uh, I just don't know. I I just feel like uh, you know the, the, being with these kids. Anyway, you know, I, I'm losing my train of thought here, but but basically at that event, I had. Uh, I had a couple come in. It, it was uh, done in Halifax. I had a couple uh, that uh, heard it on the radio or whatever, and it made sure that they came into that event and whatever. And and it was uh, Wade and Shelley uh, Barry. Wade was the first player that I coached at my home base school that dunked, and he actually was the first player that ever went on and played university uh, because he, he played for uh, for uh, for. Uh, I can't remember the coach's name now. That at a time at uh, at Acadia University kind of thing. The guy's a very successful businessman. He's in his early sixties, but I think he felt so dear to the fact that uh, you know that I was going to win this award that they that they they, they made a special trip in and whatever. And that kind of thing means everything to me. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. It really is. I mean. I explained to my players and said, your life is like a book and each year is a chapter. My question is, is your book worth reading? You know, and you well, had some pretty cool chapters in there. Well, Jack. yeah. Uh, well, I said, said one time, pretty cool when chapters. They, when they had a, they had a, a night for me and actually Bobby Knight, uh, came down and we had one of the uh, Panther fever weekends, which I started, uh, uh, I started not many, many years ago. And we always would, uh, honor somebody in the county for their contribution in, in basketball and whatever. And that was my retiring year. So they did it with me. And I, I know when I got up to speak, I, I said, you know, I, all these things I've done and whatever, I, I should write a book. But then I said, you know, but I don't like reading. So why, why would be the bother? But uh, it's amazing, though. It, it would be a good book to read. Well, all the stories, all the road trips. Um, you you learn a lot about a person's life by reading their pages. And sometimes we're only in a few of your chapters. So we know those chapters, but there's other chapters that, that you may not know about. So sometimes it is a positive thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, a yeah. very good friend of mine, Bill Spaceman Lee, he um he he's he sits down with writers and and puts his thoughts on the paper because one day that's what you leave behind are the memories the knowledge that you leave behind i just want to lead into some of the people that you mentored because you not only coached at a very high level you left behind a great program you know and uh, i know I, I believe eric deliver was the one that kind of came in behind you Right. Um, after that, and Dave Cook was involved with the basketball program heavily at that time. You know, all those people that you get to teach what you've learned, you've you've helped along the way, you know. Um, and, and some cases, some cases early in their lives in basketball. But it, but it was a two way street. Uh, I've learned a lot from them. Oh, hundred well, percent, you know? no question. And uh, you know, and they helped 
helped me quite. I, it's funny. I, one in the early years at Parkview, one of the guys. I think you actually you mentioned what his father by him, a young guy, young man by the name of Darren. I shouldn't say young anymore. He's ready to retire himself. Uh, Darren Haley. Oh, yeah, I remember he's, Darren. He, was, he's not young anymore. He uh, looks young. Darren's kept himself in good shape though. Dar- but Darren, uh, Darren was coming back. He had he had trouble with math in school and whatever. So he's coming back to repeat and whatever. And I told Darren, maybe he wanted to go play hockey. <laughs> and uh, he didn't take that too lightly. What everybody came back and and uh, he certainly made me eat my words or whatever. And then, then I find out, you know, 25 years later, he's my boss. You know, like, uh, the, wow, you know how things have yeah. how things have turned, turned well, around. Well, Darren, little, little I can bit. tell you, Darren, he spent a lot of time on the, the track. Um, he's raised a great family. They're all athletes. Um, he, you know, you meet people along the way that actually kind of replace you in certain ways, and you need that because we need – goes back to the very part at the beginning of our conversation is that community you need people that can keep what we love so great about our community moving in a good direction and naturally what you talked about is we'd like to walk in that gymnasium again now this school has both schools together i mean which is monumental It, it should make the most competitive group of athletes we've ever had we need that culture that when we walk in that gymnasium to walk the game, that we feel like we're part of it. And a lot of cases, they don't remember the alumni enough. And that's why we created these alumni weekends, Kenny Anthony and myself, um, and many, many others. And I'm not even going to name more because there's so many. Mike Pope was a big one for Park for you because I needed a representative that really, you know, knew the whole database. I mean, I knew quite a few, but Mike knew probably three or four times more than I did. And we brought out, like we had alumni events, Jack, that had, you know, we had an Eddie O'Toole versus Danny Steele three-point competition 30 years later. Yeah. And it was packed. Like it is, we have old guy versus old guy and the gymnasium is packed because people remember that culture, you know, and having, having you and Glenn and, 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 and Jimmy, why not? And, and well, and, and, you know, uh, Alice Bent, Alice Bent, Bent just passed away, would have been weeks ago when this podcast is being recorded. And she coached the, the volleyball group, the the girls in our program in, in, in uh, Bridgewater. So those alumni events bring us all together and it kind of keeps us young. Yeah. And, you know? and, and refreshes our memories yeah. and, and fond memories that yeah. we had in those days. But, uh, and I would encourage any of the alumni, and it doesn't matter if you're, we're in a very small, and many will hear this across the globe on the podcast, we're in a very small place in Lunenburg County, Nova Scotia, Canada. But but encourage your school that you attended, where you went, to have those kind of events to kind of keep those moments in time um, fresh as you can keep them because they're special times. And whether it's in school or whether it's in your organization, you know, I think it's a great idea to do because it certainly has helped our culture along the way. Yeah. Well, Dan, as you mentioned uh, earlier about, about uh, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have the boys, uh, you know, the guys come back and whatever you kind of thing. I think I think that's fantastic, whatever you, but tell them, make sure they wear their mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Jack, is, we're in a very different time in the world. It really is. It's It's... 
it's one we won't forget. It's changed the dynamics of the globe in so many different ways. But um, I, I, you know, I was a kid that always looked forward, but I always like looking back too because you learn a lot from your past that you can take with you into the future. Well, the only thing, uh, the, the biggest thing that worries me right now, I mean, I, I mean, I, I sort of made a comment about, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still a little disappointed with the, the level of the, of, the, of the basketball, especially locally that I was involved in right now. But I, I'm a little, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous of what this is going to do long term to the young kids today who, who are shut out of hockey and basketball and gymnastics and and that type of thing, or they got to take an altogether different approach. Uh, you know, they can't have spectators, or they can't have real games, or they can't. You know, if this goes on much longer. You know, I hope it doesn't have long-lasting yeah. detrimental effects on the development of kids. It, it, you know, not only just physically but mentally as well. Well, look at the look at the NBA this year. the The whole playoffs was in the bubble in in Florida, and after it was all over, the guys really shared with the reporters how difficult it was to be isolated for ninety to a hundred days of their lives. Yeah. I mean, that's, these are pro athletes that are being fed well. You know, they can golf, they can play tennis, they have a lot of things they could do, but to be isolated for over a quarter of a year. From your family. From your family and yeah. friends and your associates, it, it was super challenging. That's yeah. why it was, you know, Michael and I are huge Laker fans, and it was, uh, it was good to see them win the championship this year and because – it was the most unique way to win a championship because there was no real home court advantage for no, any of them. No, it, uh, yeah. Now, you know, like as soon as I leave here, I'm going home to see how they're going to pull off. I, I know it started yesterday. How they're going to pull pull off college the mas- basketball masters of oh, the masters. Oh, you know yeah. how, how they're going to pull that off and whatever. You now, mind you, you know we're so used to seeing them. You know the mass crowds in 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 April. I I look forward so much. I know to see that in April when the basketball the basketball is just yes, getting over, over, and that's the next big thing. Is the master? Of course, we we didn't hit, get that this year and whatever. How are they going to pull this off in the middle of November? I know, you know, down there, you know, they can do that and whatever with the weather, but but it's it's going to certainly be different. I I certainly hope two thousand twenty one. We're back to Masters oh, in April. I'm telling you where it should be. Yeah, uh, you know, I I use the phrase I'm hope I'm hopeful but not optimistic, and and I'm a, I'm a very optimistic person. But in this situation, I don't know if we're finished yet. But I do know one thing: when the doors open again, we're going to value being able to do what we do so much more. Oh. We're never going to take anything for granted yeah. again. You know, it doesn't matter if you go to a restaurant, it doesn't, a sporting event. Um, going to school, going into, you know, shop, even that is, um, is a whole different experience now. I do not think there's an individual on the face of this earth that last November the 12th, or was it the 13th? Oh, yeah, this is Friday the 13th, right? Yeah. Would have ever thought. We'd be in this situation. We'd be in this situation no. today. Unbelievable. No. But what we can take from it is learn from it each day of how we deal with things, but not forget the contributions that came before. And that's why you're here today. And I really want to thank you for coming into the studio and sharing some of your, your thoughts and your memories, because I know many have think fondly of you and 
I know a lot of the alumni that I talk to in both schools um, always look fondly back on your contribution, and you should be commended for that. And, and yes, your wife is the, the big, you know, the big engine behind you because the amount of effort and energy put into sports, not you need to have that support from your spouse. So that's what I want to end on in this podcast is talk about your wife and what she meant to give you the time that she gave you to do what you did. Dennis, I can't boil water. I couldn't <laughs> fry an egg if I, my life depended on it. I can't turn on the computer. If I don't go first, I don't know what's ever going to happen. And I tell her that every day because I couldn't make it 10 minutes without her. You'll have to call some of your alumni. I'd have to do something. <laughs> I'd have to do something very drastic. Go live with Jay. Jay, get ready. Yeah, because uh, she's she's certainly been everything for me. How long have you guys been married? This will be 51 years. 51 years. Congratulations. You know, Thank it's... You uh, that's, that's home team. Yeah. You know, you wore a couple logos along the way. You wore a Viking logo and, and you wore a Parkview Panther logo, but... But that's really home team. When I went to Parkview, the colors, they changed the colors up a little bit. Yeah, they had I bad choice in the beginning. They had uh, <laughs> brown and orange. <clears throat> when I was in Mahone Bay, the, the colors yellow were and black. yellow and black. And I painted my house yellow, black, with white trim. When I went to Bridgewater, I had Kenny, you talked about him earlier, Kenny Anthony. Kenny Anthony came back and helped me paint the house maroon and white. When Nadia spoke at my retirement thing, what is she, she said, I remember telling Dad when he went to Parkview, I'm leaving if you paint this house orange <laughs> and brown. That would be a difficult choice in color. I, I, I would really want to find out who made that infamous choice. Now, they did evolve it to orange and black, which has really stood out, but you are right. And I'm glad you didn't paint your house uh, orange and brown, Jack. Cleveland Browns. Yeah, well, that's not one. To, that's not a good comparison because they haven't been overly successful for a long period of time. <laughs> but, but you know, hey, they've been with that color. Oh, for, they have forever, and they they're have. stuck with it. But in actual fact, uh, no. The first principal at Parkview, uh, Norm Johnson, went yeah. down to the states to visit, I think, an IB school, and their colors were brown and orange. And and as a little tribute to him coming or whatever, they had the band out or whatever you playing. They had they had uh, you know jackets on brown with or with orange crests or whatever, you know. And he said, "Hey, we wanted to get away from any other color that that Lundberg County had in their school, so that's what they went with." Anyway, Even the hallways were painted. I remember trying to get uniforms. Oh wow! That, of those colors. Oh man! Man, it was. It I, was am, I remember. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Jack Murphy in studio today from the weekly Woodcast with Dennis and Michael Woodworth. A special one for sure. Thanks for coming, Jack.